welcome to True to the Bible podcast with Hunter Davis. Thanks for joining us for our next lesson in our series over the book of John. John is a powerful book that shows us who Jesus is. So we're calling this series, Who I Am. Through seven signs and seven powerful I Am statements, as well as through Jesus' life and death, we can see that Jesus is God. And as God, He offers eternal life to those who believe. Well, thanks again for joining us. We hope that you enjoy this lesson. John chapter 12. Uh, today is Easter Sunday, so happy Easter. And, uh, you know, usually we do a, a different lesson on Easter Sunday, but we're going through the book of John and we are on the triumphal entry, so I thought it would be um, a good lesson to go through. Uh, because it, it fits, you know, I mean, it's before the death and resurrection, but we're starting um, in John chapter 12, we're starting the last couple weeks of Jesus' life. And so I think uh, triumphal entry will be uh, good to go through today. So today we're, we're going to look at it a little bit differently. We're going to go through all the way through chapter 12, okay? Uh, so that's a bunch of verses. But we're going to look at submitting to God because in this section of Scripture we see Jesus, I think we see a temptation... Um, for Jesus, and I think we see him overcome the temptation and uh, do what God asks him to do instead, or the Father, in his case, uh, what he asks him to do. It says uh, in the scripture that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Okay, and we know that in like Matthew chapter four, we see that that temptation is there uh, from the devil. But I do not think that Matthew chapter four is the only time that Jesus was ever tempted. Okay, I think he was tempted, uh, yet without sin, in many different ways. And I think one of those is here today um, in John chapter 12. Okay, the question I want us to ask ourselves this morning is, are you willing to do what God asks you to do? Okay, Are you willing to do what God asks you to do? And I have some other questions we'll go through uh, later on. Uh, but this is the scripture I want you to think, be thinking about, okay? Isaiah 55, we're going to be looking at several passages from Isaiah 55, or 53, 50s today. Uh, but I like this because it says, for my thoughts, I'm my God, right? It says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways, or your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Okay, And so Jesus, Jesus is God, okay? But God's ways are not our ways, right? And when Jesus was on earth, okay, he was 100% God and 100% man. Therefore, he was tempted. And you might say, and we'll see even in this passage and throughout the next couple weeks, we'll see that going to the cross wasn't easy. Okay, Just because he was God, it didn't make it easy. It wasn't something like, I, I really want to be separated from the Father, and I really want to go through this pain, and I really want to die on the cross. Like he, that, that wasn't, it wasn't easy. Okay, But we see here that he does it, and he goes through with it, um, and he does God's will, even though... You know, in his case, he understands it, but even though in his case, you know, it, it's hard. It might be something that's hard to do. And for us, sometimes we don't understand God's ways. Sometimes we don't understand what he's doing. We don't understand where he's going. Uh, but we need to be willing to uh, go where he wants us to go and to do what he wants us to do. Okay? And so that's what I want you guys to be thinking about as we go through this. Okay? Look at verse uh, 12 in John chapter 12 if you're there. We're going to read through verse 19 to start. Um, we're going to look at this triumphal entry. Okay? It says, On the next day, when the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, 
They took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and began shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, indeed the King of Israel. And Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, Do not fear, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And these things the disciples did not understand at first. But when Jesus was glorified, uh, then they remembered that these things were written of him. And they had done these things for him. So the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to testify about him. For this reason also, the people went to meet him, because they heard that he had performed the signs. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are not accomplishing anything. Look what the whole world has gone after him. Let's pray really quick. Dear God, we just come before you and thank you for this day you've given to us. And I just pray that as we look at this scripture, uh, that your truth would be revealed. And as we uh, look at how you lived here on earth, we can take example of it. And that we would be willing to do what you call us to do. Um, and willing to uh, go where you call us to go, God. And uh, yeah, I pray that we'd just be uh, willing to do that. We pray all these things through Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, there's been a lot of times in my life when God has called me to do different things, right? And sometimes I didn't understand. Sometimes I did understand those things. Um, and, you know, through it all, as you look back over, you know, your life and when you do it, sometimes you understand it afterwards and sometimes you don't, right? Like, so there's been times when God has called me to go different places or do different things or whatever. And, uh, like, I'll go to a camp, and I'll, you know, I may have the best time of my life, and it may be a great experience. I'm like, I understand why God was doing what he was doing, you know. I, I was impacted, and people around me were impacted and all this stuff. Uh, but then there's sometimes God calls me to do something, and I'll get through it, and I'm like, well, you know, I don't, I don't really see what uh, the purpose of that was, but I know, you know, that's what God was calling me to do at the time. Uh, and so uh, God does call us to do things, and sometimes it's scary to go through with those things, and sometimes we don't understand it. I think that... This passage of scripture right here, John chapter 12, we see Jesus, we see the Father calling him to do something, okay, which is the death and resurrection. We don't get to that part in chapter 12, but we see him calling him to do that, and we see at the end of chapter 12, Jesus is going to be in step with that. But here, in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19, we see this triumphal entry when he comes into the city, and we see, I think, a temptation for him to set up his kingdom uh, right now. So the first thing I want you guys to do, okay, we're going to go to three other places. They're all the triumphal entry is in all of the Gospels, so we're going to read all of them, okay? It's a lot of reading, but Scripture's really good, so it's going to be good, okay? Mark chapter 11, Matthew chapter 21, and Luke chapter 19, okay? Mark chapter 11, Matthew chapter 21, and Luke chapter 19. We're going to start in Mark, okay? I don't, I don't know why I'm starting in Mark instead of Matthew, but we're going to, Okay? I like Mark's account um, of the triumphal entry. His and Matthew's are very similar, uh, but really John's is the most unique. John's is the most different out of all of them. So listen to this again, okay? And when you look, listen to these um, passages of Scripture, okay, when you listen to them, be thinking, okay, what are these people doing? Why are they doing what they're doing? And what do you think the temptation for Jesus would be if there would be any? Okay? It's Mark chapter 11, verse 1. And we'll read all the way through like 11 or something. It says, And as they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village opposite of you, and immediately as you enter, you will find a colt tied there, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? 
say, The Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it back here. And they went away, and they found a coal at the door outside the street, and they untied it. And some of the bystanders were standing there, saying to them, What are you doing untying that coal? And they told them, Just as Jesus had said, and they gave them permission. They brought the colt to Jesus and put their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches, which they had cut from the fields. And those who went out in front and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming uh, kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and came to the temple area. And after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve. Okay, turn over to Matthew chapter 21. Okay, and if you're not there, that's okay. Um, this is verse 1 of Matthew chapter 21. This is very similar. Okay, it's going to sound very much the same as Mark. Okay, let's look at it. It says, When they approached Jerusalem and come to Bethpage by the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey there and a colt tied with it. Untie them and bring it to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and he will send them on immediately. Now this took place so that what was spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, even a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and their cloaks, uh, laid their cloaks on them, and he sat on the cloaks. And most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others were cutting down branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. And now the crowds going ahead of him, and who followed him were shouting, Hosanna, son of, uh, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Okay, now, turn over to Luke. Okay, this is Luke 19. Okay, Luke chapter 19. This one's in verse 28. Okay, Luke 19, 28. This one's just a little bit different as well, but it's the same thing. So far we've seen that Jesus is entering Jerusalem, right? He sends his disciples out. They go get uh, this donkey and donkey's colt. Right? And Jesus says, go grab this thing, this animal. And if somebody comes to you and they say, hey, why are you grabbing that animal? You say to them, the Lord has need of it, and they'll give it to you. They give it to them. They put cloaks or their, their coats on the donkey. <coughs> Jesus gets on the donkey, and he enters Jerusalem, and people are shouting and praising his name because of what he's done, because of raising Lazarus from the dead and all the signs that he's done. And they're laying branches on the ground uh, for the donkey to walk on. They're, they're praising his name, okay? They, they realize that he is someone special, okay? And we'll read this and we'll talk a little bit more about it. Okay, this is verse 28 of Luke chapter 19. After Jesus said these things, he was going on ahead, uh, going up to Jerusalem in verse 28. And then verse 29, when he approached Bethpage and Bethany near the mountain that was called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, Go into the village ahead of you, and there enter, and you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie him and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent left and found it, as he had told them. And they were untying the colt. And its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and the colt, or on the colt, and put Jesus on it. Now as he was going, they were spreading their cloaks on the road. And as soon as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of, uh, of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice and all the miracle, because of all the miracles that they had seen, shouting, Blessed is the King, the one who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. 
And yet some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Okay? All right. So that is the account from Luke. So now we've read all the accounts of him coming in. Okay? So we have a a grasp of what's going on. Okay? We think... We can talk to Brent more about this later. But we think Sunday... I I think it's Sunday that uh, this is happening. Okay? He's going to be crucified later on in the week. Okay? So this is like the last week of his life. And he's coming in here. And... He is, he is such a figure at this point. Remember last week what we talked about with the Pharisees? How they wanted to kill him, the, Fer- the Jewish leaders? Okay, now this week we realize like how popular he actually is, right? Because him coming in uh, during like this time when Passover's coming up and all this stuff, he comes in and, and not only does everybody know who he is, not, they're not just like, hey, look, I think that's Jesus over there. But they're literally taking their cloaks, their their like their coats. They're cutting down palm branches. Some people think that they brought palm branches with them for part of um, one of the feast things. We don't know, but they have these branches. They're laying them on the ground so that the donkey that this man is riding on, the donkey's feet won't even touch the ground. Okay, so this is and they're shouting and praising his name. Look at it. Uh, let's see. All I think all of them have it. But look at Luke if you're still there. Blessed is the king. Blessed is the king, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Okay, in Mark. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. These people think that Jesus is a Messiah, and he is, or some great prophet, and they think that he's going to come in and he's going to set up the kingdom, but their perspective is a little bit off. Okay, and as we go through John, we're going to see that in just a few days, these same people, or at least some of them, instead of sh- shouting, Blessed be the name of the Lord, kingdom come, they're shouting, Crucify Him. Okay, In just a few days, that's what they're going to be doing. Okay, But here, they think that He's going to come, and He's going to take over the Romans, and He's going to provide them with what they view as peace. Okay, which is, I think, it's peace from the Romans. I think they think they want to set him up as king here and now. Okay, turn over to if you if you can turn fast. Okay, Matthew chapter four. Okay, Matthew chapter four. It's on page ten seventy nine in my Bible. Okay, but I have no idea what page it is on your Bible, so you should have to turn there and find it. Matthew chapter four. This is um, before Jesus starts his ministry. Okay, and this is the devil tempting him in the wilderness. I want you to look at what the devil says for this temptation. Okay, look at ver- uh, chapter 4, verse 8. Okay, and he says, Again, the devil took him along on a very high mountain and showed him all the kings of- kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All of these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, Go away, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. The devil left. What is the devil tempting him with? A physical kingdom, right? A physical kingdom. The devil says, listen, God's given all this into my hands right now. I'm going to give it to you. Okay? And these people are in essentially begging Jesus to kind of do the same thing. Okay? They're saying, we want you to be our king right now. I want you to get rid of the Romans right now and set up a physical kingdom right now. But is that what Jesus came to do? It wasn't. Okay, So I do believe that there is a temptation here 
Um, even though it doesn't say it like specifically, I do believe there's a temptation here. Okay, I want you to. I think that Jesus had to have been tempted. Okay, to set his, set up his kingdom right now and not go through all the pain and suffering, but he didn't do it. Okay, not only because he's perfect, but also because he understood the problems of it. Okay, he understood how it would go against the will of God. He understood how it would not fulfill prophecy. All these things, right? Uh, but he he. I think he was tempted here. Okay, and I think he resisted the temptation to do what the Father wanted him to do and said. Okay, so the next thing we're going to look at is verses like 20 through, I don't know, like 26 or something like that. And I I label it the problem, but it's, it's, that's a bad way to label it. Okay, so what I mean by this is this these would be the pro, these are some of the problems that we see if he would have given in to the temptation. So like these are some reasons why he won't give in to the temptation. Okay, these are some reasons why he won't give in to these are not all the reasons, okay, that he doesn't give in to the temptation. Because uh, you know, we see some of these things in here, and it's like, this is why I'm not gonna give in to this temptation. This is why I'm not gonna give but like we also know like he's God, so he's not gonna give in to the temptation. Okay, even though that's not necessary. I mean it's kind of listen. He's he's perfect. You know, if he if Jesus sins, can he take away our sin? No. No, okay. So there's a there's a whole slew of problems, if you will, with him giving into this temptation. But we're going to look at some of them that we see here. Okay, We're going to look at three of them, actually. Look at verse 20 first. And we'll read through like 26. It says, Now there there were some Greeks among those who were going up uh, to worship at the feast. And these people came to Philip, who was from Bethesda of Galilee, and were making a request of him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and then Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. But Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So the first reason we see is because the hour is here. Okay, the hour is here. So the Greeks come. Okay, so these are non-Jewish people, and they come. And they say, "Hey, we want to see Jesus." Why would they do that? Why would they want to see Jesus? What do you guys think? Why? Why would they want to see Jesus? Well, why wouldn't they want to see Jesus? Have they heard about him? Probably. Probably. Okay. There's people literally throwing their coats on the ground, putting branches down on the ground for this dude. And then they're like, hey, who is this guy? And somebody says, yeah, he just raised a guy from the dead a couple weeks ago. Or, or you know, I don't know how long ago it was, but he just raised a guy from the dead. Oh, and by the way, he, he, he healed a man from being blind. Hey, did you know that he also fed 5,000 people with no food? Okay, so then all of a sudden, all this, there's an, you got to realize this is an uproar. Okay, there, there's an uproar from this triumphal entry. Like people, again, it's not like people are like, hey, I think that's Jesus over there. Like this is a big deal. Okay, and so these Greeks who maybe haven't been following Jesus' story quite so closely, or maybe they have, but they realize he's a big deal, and so they want to meet him. Okay, so Andrew um, and Philip, they go to Jesus and say that Greeks want to, want to meet him. Okay, but what is Jesus' reply? Okay, he replies to them by saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So what does this mean? The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Who's the Son of Man? Jesus, right? We've talked about that a lot throughout the book of John. Where's that found? Daniel. Daniel 7, right? Daniel 7, that's good. So he's the Son of Man. 
Uh, he, so he talks about himself in the third person here a little bit. He says, "The Son. It's time for the Son of Man to be glorified." But what does that mean? Okay, it means that he's going to be, he's going to die, he's going to rise again, he's going to ascend into heaven, be sat, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, he, it is, it's time. Okay, the whole, re, whole purpose he came here to the earth was to what? Die. Die and rise again. He came to pay for the sins of the entire world, rise again. So this is the time, and the time is coming, and and is now here. Okay, when he's going to do that. Okay, then he gives this little illustration. Okay, and he kind of he kind of talks a little bit about um, us as disciples. Look at it. it. Says truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Okay, so a kernel of wheat dies. Okay, and um, you know I'm not I'm not a farmer, okay, or I'm not an ag guy. Okay, so I looked some stuff up about the wheat dying, and it's really hard for me to understand. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, but basically the the little piece of wheat, like the little kernel, right? It dies, okay, when it's in the ground, and then when it comes up, it makes one more piece of wheat, right? No, it makes a bunch of little wheat kernels, right? Like up to like a hundred can be on one stock. Anywhere from like thirty to hundred is what they say can be on one stock. So it makes a bunch more. So the illustration, look at it again. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls in the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Okay, that's talking about all the rest of them. Now, I think this is Jesus talking about himself. Okay, his hours come, and when he dies and rises again, because he does that, now all can live, right? Because he died and and rose again, now all of us can rise again too, right? All we have to do is believe in him for eternal life. We get it, okay? And we can raise. So I think he's talking about himself there. Hey, then in verse 25 and 26, I think he shifts it and he starts talking about us as disciples. Look at it. It says, The one who loves life loses it. And the one who hates life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So again, I think this is, if you look at like the verbiage of uh, verse 26 down there, if you must follow me, where I am, my servant will be also. I think this is talking about uh, believers, okay? When he talks in verse 25 about loving your life and losing it and all that stuff, loving one's life, I think, would equate to living for the temporal. Temporal means like here and now. So like loving my life, um, you know, I don't, I don't think he's saying, like look at it again. In verse 25 says, the one who loves his life loses it and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it. I don't think he's saying that you should hate your life, okay? I don't, obviously, he's not like, I hate my life. I hate, I wish I would just die. Like that's not what he's saying, right? Okay, so what is he saying? I think the life is talking about the world, the culture, the life we're in right now. He's saying, if you love right here and now more than the eternal, okay, that means you're going to be focused on the here and now and not the eternal. What are you going to gain in the eternal? Nothing. Nothing, right? I mean, you believe in Jesus, you get eternal life, you have life, but are you storing up any treasure in heaven by living for the here and now? No, that's what Matthew says, right? Store up your treasure in heaven. But if you hate this temporal life, because in by hate, I think he means he just, you hate it in a way that like, I'm so focused on the eternal and I love the eternal so much that this is worthless to me. The, the, the accolades and the, uh, the treasure that I can gain here is worthless in compared to what the eternal can give me. And you do that, what are you doing? You're storing up treasure in heaven. You're storing, exactly, that's right, Peyton. You're storing up treasure in heaven. Okay, and so read it again. With that in mind, the one who loves this life loses it. Okay, and the one 
who hates the, uh, his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. Okay, Everything you store up in the here and now, will you get to take that with you? No, you lose it. Okay, But everything you store up up there, I say up there, but everything you store up in the, in the afterlife here, I guess, in the thousand-year reign, in the eternal state, everything you store up there, do you get to keep that? Yeah, yeah it's eternal, right? And so he's saying, have this eternal perspective. Okay, have this eternal perspective. And I think this is important because Jesus is about to die, right? And their world is about to be shattered, right? The disciples will because they don't quite get it all, right? And so he's, he's just reminding them, hey, don't think about this. Think about the future. Think about the eternal. Because Jesus' death, physically and temporally and here on the earth, very sad, right? And kind of like world-shattering. But with the eternal perspective, the way we generally look at it, because we're not in the moment, but the eternal perspective is He died and paid for the sins of the entire world, and now everyone can who believes can get into heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's an eternal view, right? And so he, I think He's relating this. Okay, and then look at verse 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And I like this. We're not going to spend a ton of time on it, but the servant follows. The follower serves, okay? We're talking about disciples here. We're not talking about uh, just any believer, right? As a believer, you have a choice to be a follower or a servant, right? Uh, There's this guy named Bob Bryant, and... He's a he's a really good teacher, okay. But uh, he was at he's at like GES conferences when I heard him. But he he is like I don't know where he's from, I can't remember. But he talks really slow, and it's, I really like it, okay. Because he'll get up there and he's kind of got like a southern accent a little bit. Well, if you would turn in your Bibles to John chapter twelve, you know what I mean? And it, it's it's just like it's like you're engaged with it. Okay, and you're hanging on every word because every word's like, come on, give it to me. Give me the next word, right? Uh, but <clears throat> he taught this lesson. I don't agree 100% with everything he said on it, but he mentioned and he talked about how eternal rewards is directly related with your position to Jesus. Okay, and we're talking about all eternal perspective here. So what that what he means is like, the more rewards you get, or the he said one reward, but I think it's rewards. The more rewards you get here, okay, or the more you do here, as in following him, following Jesus, like the more you follow him here, right? The more you're a disciple here, will decide maybe your proximity to Jesus in the kingdom. Like, for example, David, he's going to be king right under Jesus, right? And he did a lot. He he did a lot here on earth, rewards wise, right? So he's going to be really close. And so he thinks that the, the more I follow Jesus here on earth as a believer, the closer I'll get to be to him in kingdom. Okay. Now, I don't know about all that, Okay, but look at this and read it again. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, this, this is saying more than just that. But in some of my in my mind, okay, sometimes I'm like, does that mean that you know in the kingdom I'll get to serve at a place like closer to Jesus or something? I don't know. That's all kind of speculation, okay? That's all just me talking, okay? But we do know what he's saying here is that the servant is a follower, okay? The servant is a follower, and they're going to follow where Jesus, what Jesus did, who he is. They're going to do what he did as servants. We should do that as well. 
Okay, and then the father will honor um, the father will honor the servant, right? And in the alphabet, we know like, what do we want to hear God say? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's honoring, right? That's honoring. And so the father will honor those who serve. Okay. All right. So father, uh, the hour is here. The next thing we're going to look at is the father's will. Okay. Look at verse twenty-seven, uh, and this is throughout the entire book of John. And it's something as we've been going through John that I've noticed more and more is that Jesus, like he's always saying, I'm doing the will of the Father. I'm doing what the Father wants me to do. I and the Father are one. His purpose is my purpose. His will is my will. Like he is, and obviously he's God. So like, you know, there's that. But he is also, I think, on earth, he is seeking to do the Father's will. Okay? And so I, I think that it's a very big thing throughout John. But look at it, verse 27. Now my soul has become troubled. And why is his soul troubled? Because he's going to die. Okay? He's going to be separated from the Father for a time. He's going to die. There's going to be physical pain. There's going to be spiritual pain. So for now, uh, now my soul is troubled, has, has become troubled. And what, I, what am I to say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I both glorify it and I will glorify it. So the crowd who stood by heard it. They are saying uh, that it had thundered. And others were saying an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus replied and said, This voice came not for my sake, but for yours. Now judgment is upon the world. And now the rule of the world will be cast out. And if I am lifted up from the earth, uh, will draw all people to myself. Now he was saying this to indicate what kind of death he was going to die. Okay? If he gave in to the temptation, he would not, uh, the hour that had come, he would not fulfill that hour. If he gave in to the temptation of setting up his kingdom now, the Father's will would not be done. Okay? He wants to do the Father's will. If you look back in here, okay, he's troubled, he's worried, and he's, and this kind of reminds me of the Garden of Gethsemane a little bit, right? It's kind of like, he's like, he's thinking, he's pondering about what's coming. Okay? He's like, what am I going to do? Am I going to say, Father, deliver me from this hour? Like, don't let me go through this? But he's like, but this is the purpose I came for. Okay? And did he, through everything that we've seen, okay, and everything that we've read in John, did he come of his own accord, by himself alone? Or did the Father send him? The Father sent him, okay? And he and the Father are one. Okay, so it's a little bit confusing, right? But he, he came of the Father's will. Okay, and so that's why he says, I came for this hour, this purpose, okay, to die, to rise again, to pay for the sins of mankind. And then in verse 28 it says, Father, glorify your name. Okay, Father, glorify your name because it's your purpose, it's your will. Okay, right, boys? Yeah, it is. Okay, so he, it's, it's the Father's will. Okay, and then look at what God says, or the, the Father, they're, all, they're both God, but look at, the, look at what the Father says from heaven. Okay, then a voice came out of heaven says, I have both glorified it, past tense, and I will glorify it, future tense. Which is really cool. Because Jesus, he's saying, Father, be glorified essentially through what I'm going to do. Right? Es- essentially. And, um, but God, God, Jesus has glorified God, his whole ministry. From when he was born to when he died, he was glorifying the Father. Everything he did was glorifying the Father. And, in the very beginning... Okay, when the world was created, who was there? God, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit all God. So the Father, the Son, the Spirit. 
And Jesus created the world. And is the world glorifying to God? Is creation Since the beginning of time, Jesus has been glorifying God, the Father. The Father's been glorifying. So they, I mean, they've been, God has always been glorified, and He always will be, no matter what happens. Okay, And so that's why I love this so much, because He's like, hey, it already has been glorified, but it always, it, it's going to be glorified. It will be glorified. It's like past and future. And so he, the, Jesus, through what He's doing right now, in this passage and what he's getting ready to do and by following the will of the Father and submitting to the will of the Father the Father will be glorified and ultimately Jesus will be too because you're going to be set, sat at the right hand of the throne of God his name will be above every other name so look at verse 29 so the crowd stood by they heard it and they're saying hey it, it must have thundered out and others are saying well an angel must have spoken to him and Jesus replied this is the second time I think in John that he, he said this but he's like this voice came down not for my sake but for yours I didn't need to hear this guys just FYI uh, this is for you guys, so you understand who I am. You know, I know you don't understand it now, uh, but later on you're going to look back on it, and you're going to see these things, and you're going to say, hey, he was the Messiah. Okay, So it's not for my sake, but for yours. And then look at verse 31. Now judgment is upon the world, and the rule of this world will be cast out. Okay, I love that the rule, who's the rule of this world? Joseph, who's the world rule of the world? Right now. Who's the rule of the world? God. No. Satan. Okay, Satan's the ruler of the world. Okay, and he says the rule of the world is going to be cast out. Well, how is Satan still here right now, working? Yes. Is he still kind of the ruler of the world? Yes. How can he be cast out? Because he's defeated. He's already defeated, right? Satan's. I mean, Satan's goal is to get Jesus to to die when Herod comes in and kills the baby. His goal is to not get him to do to tempt him so he doesn't fulfill the will of the Father, so he doesn't pay for the sins of humans, right? That's his goal. And his goal is defeated. Jesus has already won. Okay? And that, that's what he's saying here. He's the, the rule of the world, he's, he's, he's still here. He's still prowling around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. But he can't win. Like, he can't win. Because Jesus already won. Right? Well, at this point, he's, he's getting ready to go do it. But he's already won. Right? So, um, and then verse 32. Jesus says, If I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself, okay? And that's indicating uh, the kind of death that he was going to die. And so when he dies, he pays for the sins of the entire world, right? Does he draw all people to himself? Now, he gives every single person an opportunity to believe in him for eternal life, right? He made the way for everyone, right? Right, okay, good. All right, so uh, if he would have given in to the temptation, he wouldn't have been following the Father's will because we know... Uh, the Father's will is that all would believe. The Father's will is that Jesus was going to die, and that's what he's going to do. So he wouldn't have been following the will. It's also been foretold at this point. And we're going to look at, uh, during in this section, we're going to look at several prophecies, okay? Because we see several in verses 34 through 40, 43. <clears throat> okay, the first one I'm going to look at is not in this passage, okay? But it's going to go kind of along with it. Uh, look at it right here, okay? This is Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and chastised for the well-being uh, fell upon him. And by his scourgings, we are healed. Okay, this is talking about Jesus. This is a prophecy from the Old Testament that wouldn't have been fulfilled if he didn't die and rise again. Let's continue looking at verse 34 here. And the crowd then answered him and said, We have heard in the law that the Christ is to remain forever. How is it that you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? I will... I like this question, okay, because I see myself asking this question as well, okay? 
They say, look, look, we've we've looked in the Old Testament, and we see that that the Messiah is supposed to reign forever. So why do you say that this this Messiah, the Son of Man, is going to be lifted up? He's going to be, he's going to die. How can you say that if the Messiah is going to reign forever? Okay, so I like that question. Okay, and it also shows us that they know the scriptures, which means they should have seen more than they did. Okay, but then look at their second question. And who is this Son of Man? Well, he already told them who the Son of Man was. Right? He already told them that he was the Messiah. They should, they should grasp this by now. Okay, this isn't his, his 12 close guys. This is the crowd, right? They should grasp this by now. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of Man. Okay, he is the Son of Man. And they say, well, how is he going to be uh, lifted up? And who is he? Okay, who is he? Keep on reading, verse 35. Jesus doesn't really answer them directly. Look at it. So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so the darkness will not overtake you. Also, the one who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, so you may become sons of light. And I think he's talking to these guys saying, Believe in me. Okay, believe in me and walk in the light. Okay, so walk in the light, verse 35. This could, this could be several things that he's talking about here. Okay, it could be as simple as believe in me while I'm still here. Okay, it could, could be as simple as that. He's saying, hey, walk in the light, believe in me. Because uh, in verse 36, he says, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. Okay? It could be that he's imploring them to believe. And this is like Bob Wilkins' uh, view. It could be that he's imploring them to believe before they, are hardened, or before they harden their own hearts and are overtaken by darkness. Okay, that's Bob Wilkins' view. So basically he's saying, Jesus is saying, hey, believe in me right now. Uh, before you continually reject me enough to the point where, like, your, your heart's hardened, okay? So that's kind of what Bob thinks, and that could be true, too. Um, or uh, similar to the first one, it could be that he's saying it's easier for them to believe while he's alive than after his death and resurrection, okay? It could be that as well. We don't, I mean, I think that's, like, Constable's view. So basically he's saying, like, right now, if you're not believing in me right now, are you going to believe in me after? And we know a lot of people did, uh, but... It could be that. So let's look at it again with those things in mind. It says, so Jesus said to them, for a little while longer, the light is among you. Okay, That's obviously him. Okay, He's among them for a little while longer. And it's a little while because he's about to die, right? And rise again, and he's going to ascend. Okay? So he's with them for a little while longer. Walk in, the light while you, uh, walk in the light while you have the light, so the darkness will overtake you. Now, based on their two questions, I think it's pretty safe to assume that he's saying, hey, listen, you guys are asking me questions that I've already given you the answers to. You need to walk in the light. You need to understand what I'm telling you. Okay? You need to understand what I'm telling you while I'm here. I'm telling you these things. Okay? Walk in the light while we have the light so your darkness will overtake you. Also, the one who walks in darkness does not know where he's going. Okay? While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. So he says, believe in me. Believe in the light. Okay? Then go on uh, to the middle of verse 36. It says, these things Jesus proclaimed, and he went away, and he hid himself from them. Okay? Why did he hide himself? get rest. Maybe because uh, the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders are trying to kill him. Right? So he's hiding himself. Okay, then verse 37. But though he had performed so many signs in their sight, they were still not believing in him. This happened so that the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke, would be fulfilled. Okay? The Lord who has be- uh, Lord who has believed the report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Okay, so 
He's quoting Isaiah 53.1. Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Okay, then go on. In verse 39, For this reason they could not believe, for Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and has hardened their hearts, so they will not see with their eyes and understand with their heart and be converted, so I will not heal them. He's quoting Isaiah 6.10, Render the hearts of people insensitive, and the ears dull, and the eyes dim. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with the ears, and understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. Okay, so... We see that here he quotes, <clears throat> excuse me, here he quotes two Old Testament passages, okay? And he says, this is why these people are not believing, okay? But it's kind of weird that Jesus, or sorry, it's kind of weird that uh, these people are not believing in Jesus, and it says that, like, it seems like God, like, hardens their heart, right? Because doesn't God want everybody to believe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, thank you, yeah. Simeon. Yeah, God wants everybody to believe. So why would he harden their hearts? Okay, there's several things. Okay, that we could it could be. I'll tell you what I think in just a second. But it could be a nation's hardening. Like God knows that uh, He knows who will reject Jesus and who won't. Okay, so it could be like Caiaphas, the high priest. He knew before the beginning of the world that he would reject Jesus. So he put that person in power, uh, and he put him in leadership, so the nation as a whole would reject him, and so that Jesus would die and pay for the sins of the world. It could be. Like Pharaoh rejected God, that they rejected God so much that he gave into their wishes and they hardened their own hearts. Okay? Or it could be a more general statement that the nation of Israel was hardened, which at this time would have been blind, and they would have been blinded as a whole to fulfill God's will. Okay? I do think this is a nation's hardening. Okay? Because look at the next verse, verse 41. These things Isaiah said because he saw the glory and spoke about him. Nevertheless, even many rulers, what? You guys following along? Verse 42, what do they do? They believe in Him. So there are many people who are believing in Him. Okay, So this isn't saying that God hardened the hearts of all the Israelites so they wouldn't believe. Saying that He hardened the nation as a, and in general, as a whole. He hardened the nation's heart so that they would crucify Jesus so that He could pay for the sins of the world. Okay, And that doesn't have anything to do with each individual person, I don't think. I think it has to do with the nation as a whole. Okay, if you uh, okay, if you continue on there in the verse forty-three, or verse forty-two, actually. Nevertheless, many believe uh, of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him, so that they would not be excommunicated from the synagogue, for they love the approval of man rather than the approval of God. And what I see with these guys, okay, we're going to see in just one second. We're almost done here, guys. I know it's a long one today, but. What I see with these these leaders here is they believed in Jesus, right? But then it says what? Were they willing to confess His name? No. No. So did they have eternal life? Yes. Yes. Okay. But they weren't willing to follow Him. They weren't willing to do what God wanted them to do, right? I see a contrast between these guys and Jesus. Okay? Because is Jesus doing what the Father wants Him to do? Yes. Yes. Okay? Even though... He would go through pain and suffering to do it. He was going to do the Father's will. And these guys did not confess Jesus and follow Him because they were worried about pain and suffering, getting excommunicated from the synagogue. Okay, so I see a distinct contrast here between these guys and Jesus. Okay, now let's look at the submission of Jesus. Okay, we're going to see this. I don't know if you guys know this, but chapter 13 on, chapter 13, verse 1, all the way through uh, the crucifixion and the resurrection, it's like, Four or five days. Okay, or 
Yeah, four or five days total. Okay, so we're we're ending here, and we're going to see from this point on the submission of Jesus. Like that's what we're going to be talking about from here until the, the resurrection. Essentially, is that Jesus is doing the will of the Father in submitting Himself to death on the cross, right? So, but look at this how it kind of I, I, like encapsulates it. Look at the phrases that He uses here, and then we're going to be done after we look at the phrases. Okay, it says now Jesus cried out and said, "The one who believes in me." Does not believe only in me, but also in the one who sent me. Who sent him? The Father. The Father. Yeah. And the one who sees me sees him who sent me. Who's that? The Father. I have come as a light into the world, so that the one who believes in me will remain will not. Sorry. So the one who believes in me uh, will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my teaching and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come into the world to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me. And does not accept my teaching uh, has one who judges him. The one which I spoke that will judge him on the last day. For I did not speak on my own accord, but on whose accord? The Father himself who sent me. And has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore the things I speak, I speak just as the Father told me. Okay, do you see how much relation there is between Jesus and the Father there? Okay, I have some phrases I want you to remind it of, okay? The one who sees me see the, sees the Father. Okay, I don't speak of my own accord, I speak of the Father's accord. The Father has given me a command of what I'm supposed to say, and what I'm supposed to think, or not think, what, what I'm supposed to say and what I'm supposed to do. Okay? And the Father has told me to do this. Okay, now, if I say all these things, we know Jesus is God, and He's one with the Father and all that. But does all this remind you and help you, I don't know, for me it reminds me that Jesus is submitting to God the Father, right? He's submitting to the will, okay? If you see me, you see the Father. Because why? I'm doing exactly what the Father wants me to do, okay? I don't speak of my own accord because I'm speaking exactly what the Father wants me to do. That's what I'm doing, okay? The Father's given me the command and I carry it out. It's submitting to the Father. The Father's told me what to do, I do it. Okay, all this is Jesus submitting to the Father. It's doing the will of God. Okay, now, we've gone through this big portion of Scripture, I know. It's kind of weird to go through this huge section of Scripture, and it's kind of boring probably for you guys. But here's what I want you guys to think about. If Jesus submitted to the Father, and He is God, so He's one with the Father, shouldn't we also, as followers of Jesus, as believers, shouldn't we as humans submit to God's will? Yeah, yeah we should. Right? So I have a couple questions for you. Okay, what obstacles regularly prevent you from identifying God's will? Okay, so what keeps you from knowing what God wants you to do? There's a lot of things it could be. Sometimes we're just too distracted by the world to even think about what God wants us to do. Right? Sometimes we're so focused on school or on our friends or on sports or on video games or on board games or on crocheting or whatever, we're so focused on that stuff that we don't even know what God is calling us to do because we're not, we don't, we're not paying attention, right? Um, sometimes there's sin in our life. Like we don't, we don't want to do what God wants us to do because we'd rather sin, right? So what obstacles regularly prevent you from identifying the will of God? Okay, think about that. Okay, then two. Could be, could, well, go back on that. Because how, did Jesus know the will of the Father? Yes. 
Okay, when we look at his life, okay, and we've seen it in John, when we look at his life, what do you think his focus is? On the will of the Father. On the will of the Father, which is what? For him to die on the cross. Yeah, for him to reconcile mankind, right? Everything he says, everything he does, is all tinted with this lens of what is the Father's will for me. It's all tinted with when I do this, is it in the Father's will or is it not in the Father's will? Right? And we could be doing like that too. Right? Everything we do could be tinted with the lens of how does this please the Father? How is this within the Father's will for me? Okay? So look at the second question. What obstacles regularly hinder you from carrying out God's will? So what things in your life or what people in your life keep you from doing the will of God? Okay, what obstacles regularly keep you or hinder you from carrying out the will of God? Okay, so first we have to identify the will of God, right? And then we have to carry it out. A lot of that's found in the scripture, right? But then there's also wisdom. We can pray. We get wisdom from God to see what the best option is for us to do. Sometimes he gives us multiple options. Okay, but when he does, do we pray through it? Do we look at it with wisdom? Okay, so what keeps us from doing what God wants us to do? Okay. Selfishness, pride, what is it, or what things, you know? Maybe your sports or your video games or whatever, your school. There are a lot of things that can keep us from following the will of God. So these are what I want us to think about uh, this Easter, okay, today. What are we celebrating? Christ risen, okay? He only rose because he did the will of the Father, right? He submitted to the will of the Father. And for us, we should take that example. We should say, listen, if he's willing to go through all of that, to die and be separated from the Father in painful death, we should be willing to follow in His footsteps, okay, and do the will of the Father when the Father calls us to do something, okay? All right, let's pray. Well, that's all for True to the Bible podcast this time. We hope that you enjoyed this lesson. If you did, or if you want to listen to some other lessons on True to the Bible podcast, make sure that you subscribe or like this podcast. If you have any questions about anything that you heard or you're interested in how you can be saved, make sure you contact us at hunter.davis at stillwaterbible.org. Again, thanks for joining us for this lesson, and we hope to hear from you soon.